0: Welcome to episode 37 of China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. President Xi Jinping of China has described reunification with Taiwan as a historic mission and an unshakable commitment of the party. Taiwan is viewed by Beijing as a breakaway province, which must be brought into its fold by force if necessary. The tense situation is a legacy of the Chinese Civil War that ended in 1949 with nationalist forces fleeing to the island and forming their own government while the communists took over in Beijing. Xi Jinping's rhetoric is sometimes matched by shows of force. Recently, cross-strait tensions have been running at an all-time high after a record number of Chinese fighter jets entered Taiwan's air defence identification zone. So is the escalation from Beijing mere bluster, or are we on the verge of conflict? This week, I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast Liam Gavin Gibson, who's based in Taiwan. He's a journalist at the Taiwan News, and he's also the founder of Policy People, an online platform for think tank experts. Liam, thanks for joining China in Context. Can you tell us what it feels like when Chinese military aircraft invade the Taiwanese airspace? Can you see the planes from your home in Taipei? Do you hear the noise or is it just something that you read about the next day in the papers?
1: Typically, uh, we do not really hear or see of any jets flying around in the skies above us, at least where I am in Taipei but the other day i was just heading out of my office uh, out of the news agency taiwan news uh to go and get some lunch and it was a beautiful blue sky and that day and i was walking through a traditional market and there was a, a very thin alleyway but as i was walking along all of a sudden out of the clouds above me this deafening sound of a of a fighter jet sort of suddenly uh sort of burst out and everyone sort of briefly looked up and you could see this uh, bomber fly jet it was quite amazing you could see it sort of come out of the clouds and it did this very sharp turn and then disappeared again uh, off off into an- another section of the sky uh, i should make clear that was a taiwanese a uh, jet that was flying now why was it flying in the skies above taipei because that was one of our fighters uh, doing uh, practice, basically, uh, in preparation for the military parade that was to happen on the 10th of October. It, it got me thinking as I was walking back to my office: what would it be like if that were if that were not a Taiwanese, you know? And uh, it's really sort of brought home to me how helpless we would all be, you know, as civilians in any war
0: that
1: you, there's no way to hide you know, from a bomb strike if it could strike you at any moment to, on any
0: surface. So this is an issue that's certainly generating a lot of international attention, too. Sometimes you mm-hmm. might get the impression that a war between Taiwan and China is imminent. What can you say about the mood on the island? How would you describe the atmosphere?
1: Well, I would say there's a perception gap between the international media and the local public opinion. However, I think that perception gap is starting to close. Polls as recently as last year showed that 80% of Taiwanese still felt that China would not invade. However, that has lowered somewhat to about around the 60s. So I think there has been some sort of shift in public opinion. However, I still think Uh, Taiwanese don't think it's really going to happen straight away. Uh, There is not the same sort of a countdown to war that you might see if you read uh, the headlines overseas. I would say where these two narratives or where this sort of perception gap was most uh, clear was when The Economist ran a front page story in April this year, uh, which said that Taiwan was the, quote, most dangerous place uh, on Earth. And that really ruffled a lot of feathers here. There was a statement from the president saying, let's not worry, we can defend our country, etc. Joseph Wu, the foreign minister, recently said to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation that Taiwan is preparing for war. And I would say that overall, people here are concerned, but they're not panicked. Taiwanese have lived with the threat of Chinese invasion for a long time, and they are quite mature and quite level-headed in facing that threat.
0: I'd like to invite you to analyze what Taiwan and China's leaders have said about this issue recently. Let's start with China. Xi Jinping delivered a speech in October marking the 100th anniversary of the 1911 revolution, Uh, the revolution in Wuchang or the uh, Xinhai revolution that led to the establishment of the Republic of China, which is Taiwan's official title, as you know, uh, and it ended China's monarchy. Did you pick up anything significant from Xi Jinping's speech?
1: I think what was most significant was the fact that Xi Jinping did not specifically mention unification by force, which is often spoken of uh, by the Chinese leadership and the Chinese media. But in this speech, he did not specifically mention that. And that signals a slight recalibration on the part of Xi Jinping, slight de-escalation in terms of the rhetoric coming from China. I would say that if there were some of the most um, heated debate in Taiwan regarding that particular speech actually was from the Kuomintang nationalists uh, who were quite irritated at how the CCP sort of uh, hijacked the legacy of Sun (laughs) Yat-sen, the founder of the Republic of China, uh, sort of framing Sun Yat-sen as sort of the the lead-up act to uh, CCP's Liberation of China, as as they call it, uh, in 1949. So I think Taiwan's speech the next day on 10 of October was more significant.
0: Okay, well tell us more about what uh, President Tsai said the next day on this National Day of Taiwan. That's the Double Ten Day that you were talking about earlier.
1: Two key takeaways, Duncan. First is her emphasis on the four commitments or sugar jinshi. and those four commitments are that she and her government remain committed to a free and democratic constitutional system, that the commitment to the Republic of China and the PRC or the People's Republic of China not being subordinate to one another. The third commitment being to resist encroachment on Taiwan's sovereignty. And the fourth commitment being that the future of the Republic of China Taiwan must be decided in accordance with the will of the Taiwanese people. The second commitment that the ROC and the PRC are not subordinate to one another uh, has proved the most controversial. The Chinese of this, is a little bit uh, vague, but what we can say is typically a means there is a political uh, element to this, and that is that administratively, that, that if something is shu, it is within your jurisdiction. So she's saying that uh, means that the jurisdictions of the Republic of China and the People's Republic of China are separate. They are not subordinate to one another. That to some uh, in the KMT defies the Republic of China's constitution, which of course lays claim to the whole territory of mainland China. However, a lot of her supporters have said that Tsai ing is simply uh, laying out the, the, the ground reality that the ROC Taiwan is its own country. It has its own laws, its own territory and its own administration and the same is true of the PRC on mainland China. So this is a very tentative step towards a more clearly stated, more explicit expression of Taiwan being an independent sovereign nation separate from mainland China.
0: Well, thanks for explaining that. I can see there's a lot of sensitivity about the actual terms and the language used. Mm-hmm. I expect some of it gets uh, lost in translation, but you've, you've explained it very clearly. I mean, clearly, China is trying hard to push the idea of a peaceful unification with Taiwan. Yet I can't help feeling that the harder it presses for that, the more resistant people in Taiwan are to the idea.
1: What's your view, Liam? The harder Beijing presses, the less peaceful it becomes. Whilst peaceful unification sounds nice on paper, China has never been able to show to Taiwan what role it would play in this supposed unified uh, greater China, quote unquote. Especially it has not been able to really guarantee that Taiwan's democratic model would continue or even what its economy might look like if it were subsumed into a a greater economic uh, structure within uh, China. Now, the issue is China really fails at soft power. It has failed to attract Taiwanese to say that yes, actually China has something better to offer us. We would like to join China and actually prosper uh, and, and and have a better system under Beijing. It has not been able to do that. It has failed on every attempt to do that. And so instead, there is just constant threats and constant coercion. So whilst there were some on the KMT side amongst the nationalists who still hope for some sort of a peaceful reunification, the reality is, the vast majority of Taiwanese have now looked at Hong Kong and seen that as the best indicator of what peaceful unification uh, would look like with Taiwan. And so, as everyone says, here is Taiwan, the next Hong Kong. And so, that failure on the part of Beijing to really respect their commitments in Hong Kong and to show that they could abide by some sort of uh, you know one country, two systems model has really damaged any chance, I think, that Taiwanese would trust their intentions in creating so-called peaceful unification. So that does raise the stakes, and that does make the possibility of a forced unification
0: possibly more likely, and that's quite alarming. Let's wrap things up here by talking about the role of the United States. America's approved several deals to sell arms to President Tsai ing government in Taiwan um, and the U.S.-Taiwan Relations Act, well, that's created a lot more diplomatic distance from Beijing, let's put it that way. I'm interested to know where that leaves thinking in Taipei in terms of this great issue that faces the whole world, U.S.-China great power rivalry.
1: Essentially, the outlook for Taiwan's government is the closer they can get to Washington, the better. Taiwan is very aware that its best bet uh, to resist Chinese aggression is to shore up a commitment from the U.S. that the U.S. will indeed come to Taiwan's defense if conflict does occur across the Taiwan Strait. And it's doing very well at that. In a very bipartisan uh, political climate in the U.S., support for Taiwan is very high amongst both Democrats and Republicans. But it's not just in the U.S., you know, Japan ties have also been on the upswing i was a press conference recently where we had the deputy defense secretary nakayama dropped in uh from tokyo via a video conference call and told us all that taiwan's defense is japan's defense japan views taiwan as family and so that there has been a lot of uh, there have been two plus two dialogues between the leadership in taiwan and japan so that there's been a real uh increase in the ties and the exchange there. But also in Eastern Europe, we see Lithuania talking up and defying China and opening up a representative office under the name Taiwan uh, in its capital there. Poland, the Czech Republic, they've all uh, donated vaccines to Taiwan. Australia is starting to really speak up and say that it will support Taiwan's application for Uh, to join the CPTPP and even discussions over whether or not it would get involved in a potential conflict in the Taiwan Strait as well, uh, backing up uh, the US military presence there. India has started doing, making similar noises. We know Boris Johnson has said that UK's best policy is to uh, back uh, American policy on Taiwan. And even France now has just sent some senators here last week. Uh, The French just... Revealed yesterday that they've had some frigates uh, circling around the waters through the Taiwan Strait. There are even rumors of a potential submarine deal now that France uh, sort of lost out on the AUKUS deal. So there is a groundswell of support uh, among the international community from all corners of the globe. And that really uh, plays to Taiwan's strengths, and it says a lot about uh, Taiwan's success diplomatically. Of course, the US is still by far the most important ally Taiwan has, but we really should uh, look at things in perspective and realize that uh, Taiwan has gained a lot of good faith, credibility, and its status has really been elevated over the last uh, few years.
0: Well, thank you, Liam, for putting all those uh, ideas to us uh, so clearly. That was Liam Gavin Gibson on the line from Taiwan. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute. That's part of the University of London. And you can find out more about our research and courses on our website, soas.ac.uk, soas spelled S-O-A-S. But for now, that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast team.